0: I've preached two or three sermons about Judas Iscariot. Uh, They're different. In fact, there's a little pamphlet I'm coming out with, my first publication, probably last also. I'm going to have a publication put out, a little book put out on Judas Iscariot. And so that'll be at the end of the summer. But Judas has been a study that has intrigued me in my life. Judas Iscariot. I just can't imagine how it can be possible. By the way, I want to stop here and say, Hannah, thank you for playing that. doing such a fabulous job. Uh, A whole lot better than I would have done. I'm not sure if that's a compliment. But uh, you did a great job on the piano. And really for everybody playing. This summer, we have a summer program. We're going to have Merrick who's going to be playing the organ from here out. And uh, I believe you're going to play, and then you're going to be going a week or two on vacation, I think, or something. I don't know if you are now. not. Okay, you're going to be here all the time. And so be praying for that. We have a good time in the summertime. It's a different time, but it's a good time. My favorite time of year in Florida is summertime June, July, August, and September, some of the finest months we have. Uh, the roads are clean, the restaurants are clean. And the, and the waitresses are actually glad to see you, real glad. And when you leave, they start coming up to you and saying, oh, thank you for coming. You know, in the season, they're like, get out of here. I got that seat. get the seat empty. I got another one in here. But, no, it's interesting. It's good. Take your Bibles to Matthew 26, 15 through, well, 15, 16, and then I'm going to go tw- uh, 27. Three through five. So, two different places. I'm going, to be a, I'm going to be around. I'm going to work around the Bible a little bit here this morning. You don't necessarily have to weary yourself in finding all these places. This is recorded by the grace of God. We'll be on iTunes by Wednesday or Thursday. You can go to our blog, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or gospelbaptistchurch blog in and, and iTunes, and you can download any of these, uh, listen to them. If you want to visually see them on a video, you can go to our website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, and I think there's two, three hundred of them possibly under categories of 32 different categories that I have developed over the years uh, in my preaching. And so you can do listen to all kinds of different things on there that I've worked through in the years. And I want to talk about uh, uh, the, the topic, the title of this sermon is How Did Judas Iscariot? Miss Jesus, and how, how did how did he hang around Jesus and the disciples and see what he saw? And I think it can be for you and me. There are people today, maybe in this auditorium, that uh, need to hear this desperately, so that you don't suffer the same fate as Judas suffered. Uh, Matthew twenty six fifteen says, and, and he said unto them, "What will you give me that I will deliver him unto you?" And so. Judas is talking to the Pharisees and they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. That was to betray Jesus. And from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. And in Matthew 27, 3 through 5, it says, Then Judas, when he had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself, and brought again 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, by the way, confess any sin. I have sinned, and that I have betrayed innocent blood. That was true. And they said, and this is what your, your, your sin buddies will always tell you once the judgment comes. What is that to us? See thou to that. You see to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went again and hanged himself. Father, come to us this morning. May you explain this better than I could. May there be somebody. There could be somebody through the web. This goes all over the world, really. May there be somebody here this morning uh, that could really be saved. Out of the fate that Judas suffered, may it may it be so. In His name we pray, Amen. In Jesus' name we pray. So, I want to talk to you about this person a little bit. Uh, give you a little background. Judas was the son of Simon Iscariot. You know, I, I preached a whole another sermon on Judas' mom and dad. He had a mom and dad, far as we know. I mean, he had to, right? In John chapter six, verse seventy-one, he's not. They're not spoken about much, but he was the son of Simon. Iscariot means a man of Kerioth, a small city that was by Jerusalem, uh, not there today, but it was close to it then. Judas Iscariot holds the title of the ultimate traitor. He's always listed last in the listings of the apostles. Um. Uh, the statement, the truisms through life, even today, don't be a Judas. Uh, some people will tell their children. Uh, Judas is simply best known for his infamy. Uh, Judas is the object of world scorn and disgust, even the world. No sane mother, whether it be in the world or be a Christian, names her boy Judas if she knows the Bible at all, or has had any kind of Sunday school background. And just like a a mother, if she had any kind of biblical sense, would not name her daughter Jezebel. How many many Judases and Jezebels have you met? Artists have tried to depict Judas and his look in paintings. Uh, Poets have tried to conjure up the horrors in their imaginations or their imaginations maybe can muster and describe the malignity and hideous attitude that Judas displayed. The attitude of ingratitude. Yet, yet, no and not one hint of suspicion is ever referred to in the Bible about Judas from the other disciples, the other people that hung with him every day? No. In fact, in Mark chapter 14 you don't have to turn there, but Mark 14, 18, 19 when Jesus said, one of you that is eating with me will betray me and they that sat, I'll read it. and they that sat did eat. Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, One of you which eateth with me shall betray me. And they began to be sorrowful. They, they began to be sorrowful. And they said unto him, One by one, is it I? Peter said, I can say this, Peter said, is it I? John, the apostle of love, looked at Jesus and said, is it I? Uh, the other disciples, one by one, I was imagine the big, the big three, Peter, James, and John, all looked at him. The Bible says they said, one by one, is it right? Now, what that tells us is they didn't all look at Judas, and they didn't say, ah, we always had a feeling about him, you know? I always had a feeling, you know? I was always a little spooked about Judas. They weren't spooked about Judas. They had not a hint, not a hint that he was a betrayer. And Jesus said, the son of perdition. Judas had such great privilege. You all amen that? There's no record really what transpired when Jesus chose Judas, like, like we have of Matthew, or we have of Peter when he was chosen. We don't know what he said. We don't know what Jesus said to him. Uh, he was from the Judah area, Jerusalem area, the area of Judah, the tribe of Judah, southern part. He voluntarily when Jesus asked him, be my disciple, follow me, he did it like the others did. Uh, what was his motivation for following Jesus? Uh, I, I, I kind of believe he had a political motivation. Uh, I believe there was a group of people in the day, if you study history of the time, A Life and Times of Jesus Christ the Messiah by Edershon, there was a, a group called the Zealots. And, and they they were trying to overthrow the Roman Empire that was dominating them, a bunch of heathens dominating these people of God, was insulting them, obviously. And they wanted a Messiah to come, not to save them from their sins, they wanted a Messiah to come to save them politically. That may be a trouble with America, by the way. We want to be saved economically, but do we want to be saved from our sins? And I think, I I personally think that was one of his motivations. He could have been part of the zealot movement. Uh, maybe he had other personal reasons in order, maybe to be part of the kingdom of God that was he thought was going to come immediately through Jesus Christ. He he did not believe, uh, you know, especially when you know. And I don't want to go into this because not the message about why he betrayed Jesus. I'm not going to go into that necessarily. I preach a whole other message on that. But he had personal reasons. Uh, for sure, I can tell you he had a divided allegiance. He was not wholehearted and genuine in his faith in Christ when it came to the area of sin. Because nobody becomes a disciple, a real disciple, without personal repentance and faith. Evidently he did not have that, because it's evident he wasn't a disciple. He was with him, he was of them, but he wasn't one of them. Um, Jesus, or er, Jesus in, Matthew, in Luke chapter nine verse twenty three says, "If any man will come unto me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me." In John three three, Jesus said, "Verily I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He won't even be allowed to see it. It has to come through spiritual birth, which is only happens through true and honest, heartfelt, wholehearted repentance." and faith in Jesus Christ. No ulterior motives. So what were some of his privileges? He was empowered, as the other disciples were, that when they went out. He was given power over devils, demons. He was given power to heal sicknesses. I have no reason to believe, and there is no argument against, that he didn't have these these things. Because in Mark chapter 3, verse 14, it says, Jesus ordained the twelve that they should go with him, that he might send them forth to preach. He's part of the twelve. So Judas went out and preached the gospel. In Matthew 10:1 when he was calling him his 12 disciples he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Judas was part of the 12. He was given power to do these things as the other disciples do. That's why when he said, one of you is going to betray me, every one of them looked at him and said, is it I, is it I? They had seen Judas preach. And if you preach, there's converts. They had seen Judas heal the sick. They had seen Judas cast out demons. And just like you or me, if you'd seen that, you'd say, well, that's surely a man, this person's a man of God. He's one of us. if I may say, Uh, we know that Judas witnessed the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000, which were, by the way, fifteen or 20,000 people fed out of just a few loaves and some fishes. He witnessed the healing of the blind, the lame, the dumb, the deaf, the possessed, the leprosy, the resurrection of the dead. He was there uh, when Lazarus came forth after four days being dead. He was there on the procession, the, the funeral procession on the widow of a uh, widow's son coming out of Nain when Jesus stopped it and said, Rise up, and the kid got up. He was there to, well, uh, he was at least there, it wasn't in the room, but he was there at Jairus' daughter's resurrection. He was there, saw it all, and died in his sins. I want you to get that. Nobody can doubt it. Nobody, this is not arguable. This is fact. He died in his sins. Y'all re, y'all, you already know, you know that to be true. You know it. The Bible says he's the son of perdition and went to his own place. Not one time in Jesus' reference to Judas does he ever referred to him as being a saved person. He said, I've chosen you 12, but one of you is the devil. Not one time. Jesus knew who he was from day one. But I'm not sure. I know the apostles didn't, his fellows that were with him. For three or more years, he lived with the holiest man on earth and missed salvation. I'm going somewhere. Circumstantial psychology is a lie. What is that? It teaches that if you, who you hang around and the circumstances around you make who you are. You all agree with that? You've been to college? I took, I took psychology in, in college. That's, that's the going philosophy of psychology. Now, there is biblical psychology in Christian circles. But if you want to be a Christian, do not believe that somehow because you have, because you have children, And because you're a Christian mom and dad, and because you take them to church, and because you teach them the Bible, and because you you sing the songs of Zion, and because you live an honest, godly life in front of them, that somehow they're guaranteed they're going to be a Christian. Don't you believe that? Because it's not Bible. Judas proves that. If anything, Judas proves that being around holiness, does not make you holy. No more than making you, ch- going to church makes you saved. Or getting baptized makes you saved. Or taking communion makes you saved. Or reading your Bible makes you saved. Or talking holy talk, and there is such a thing. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, you know, makes you saved. Judas Iscariot preached the gospel. Gospel. And I don't doubt that people got saved and repented. In my own little short young life, I've seen it. There was a guy at Boulevard Baptist Church in Greenville that taught junior church. As he taught junior church, some of the kids got saved. I mean, my wife worked with him. And not too long after that, he proved himself to absolutely not be a Christian. Can unsaved preach? Yes, they can. If they preach the gospel, I said, if the devil preaches the gospel, people get saved. Why? Because it's, the gospel is the power unto salvation to everyone that believeth. The preacher is not the power, the gospel's the power. And God did that to protect the gospel because the devil could have corrupted all the preachers and the gospel would have never been able to save anybody. But you can't stop the gospel. You can't corrupt the people around the gospel enough to stop it because it's the power of God and the salvation. But just because you preach or teach or witness or read your Bible or pray or attend church, or give to the poor, voluntary, whatever you do, uh, does not mean that you are saved. Judas was in a position of responsibility. Now, come on, folks. you got to know this. The 12th the 12? Jesus had more people around him than 12 people. We know they had crowds of people that were following him that were loyal to him in some degree, but they weren't the 12. They weren't the 12. But he was considered one of the church. And and bigger than that in John chapter 12 verse 6, he carried the money. I can tell you this, that we believe with all our heart here at Gospel that Mrs. Most is on us. Where are you at Mrs. Most? Because if we didn't, we wouldn't let you be around that money, and we don't let Dave around it. Uh, But I mean, we wouldn't. You don't hire somebody you got suspicion about, and put them around money. You put uh, you put people that are of the highest character and honesty around money, right? And then you check on up on them like crazy. I mean, just for their sake and your sake. But he was a trusted comrade. John 12, 6. At this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear that which was put in it. And in that verse, if you look it up in context, John 12, 6, talking about Judas Iscariot here. The Bible said he was a thief. He was an apostle. He had great privilege phenomenal responsibility. held the money. He was considered the most honest of them all. But Jesus said "Mm, he was the thief. Jesus said in Matthew 6.24 no man hath two masters can they not serve. No man can serve two masters for he will hate one, love the other else he will hold the one, despise the other you cannot serve God and mammon, money the world. Basically you're going to have to choose who you serve. You may work in the world, of course we do. You may have a job, of course you do. You may have to make a living, of course you do. But your reason for living is Jesus. Are you with me? Go ahead and give up your soul for a mess of pottage that quickly perishes. Judas did. He sold the Lord for a measly 30 pieces of silver. 150 days at that time of labor. About 150 days of labor to make 30 pieces of silver. He sold Jesus Christ, the son of the living God that they looked forward to for almost 4,000 years, for 30 pieces of silver. And he was considered a good, prudent businessman and was given the trust of all of that. Wow. Judas thought he could fool the system. He did. He had a thought so he could fool the system. That thought became an act. The act became a habit. The habit became a character and character shaped his eternity. I'll repeat that. He had a thought. That thought became an act. The act became a habit. The habit became character and character shaped his eternity. Eternity. If you steal a nail, you'll steal a million dollars. This is so good today. I wish I was here. This is good. Uh, Lee County has on their job site, steal a nail, go to jail. But I can tell you this, if you'll steal a nail, you'll you'll steal a hundred bucks. And if you steal a hundred bucks, you'll steal... 500, if you steal 500, you'll steal 1,000. you steal 1,000, you steal a million. It's the principle. How many times do I have to steal to be in the family of thieves? Once. Is it the amount I steal that makes me a thief? Or is it the fact that I steal makes me a thief? Right? Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, verse 10, he that is faithful in that which is least, that's that nail. He's also faithful in much. You can trust him with the rest. He that is unjust in the least, that means you'll steal the nail, is unjust also in much, that means you'll steal the million bucks. It's in the Bible. And so God is looking at you and sees everything you do and every idle word you speak. And, and that's why it's so important that you determine that you're going to be real all the way down to the nail. You're going to be real. You're not going to claim to be a Christian and noble person and then rob the government when it comes tax time. I used to tell her, I've had the same account 35 years. She's licensed to argue before the IRS. And I told her, she's a Democrat. <laughs> and she, her and I have very little in common. But I like her because she's a good accountant and she can argue before the IRS and you want a mean woman Democrat to, de- to defend you. They defend dogs, cats, and everything else. Defend me! I get tips. I used to get tips. Nobody tips me anymore, but I used to get tips. I just get tips when I laid floor covering. And people give you money, you know, 20 bucks. Uh, Back then, not much more than that, about 20 bucks sometimes. And she'd say, uh, I'd say, oh, she'd do my income. And I'd say, oh, by the way, by the way, I had tips this year. I want you to add like 300 bucks, 500 bucks or whatever it was. She'd say, what? Was that all cash? i say, it was all cash. Have any record? No record. Add Add that in there on income. Why? Because I wasn't answering to the IRS. I was answering to the God of all that is. I want to be real, honestly real. I believe if anybody had told Judas in the day of his uh, his uh, uh, ch- being chosen as his disciple, as the 12 of Jesus Christ, that someday he would sell Jesus Christ for a lousy 30 pieces of silver, I think the man would have been indignant. I think he'd have been filled with horror. And it's been said, never was so little paid for so much. Judas, oh, how he undervalued the Lord Jesus Christ. He valued him as 150 days of work. That's what Jesus was worth to him. That's it. No value. And then after jesus judas finally realizes he's committed a horrible crime because i think my theory on this is that judas thought that he was bringing in the kingdom that would eventually overthrow the romans and it would be a temporary earthly kingdom and so he thought well jesus isn't revealing so he keeps telling us when he goes to jerusalem he's going to be betrayed and crucified and 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 and, and die there and well, i don't like that that'll never work so i well he betrays him to the authorities thinking you know Who's going to touch Jesus? Remember, he'd seen him walk on water. He'd seen him overcome death. How do you kill the person that overcomes death? How do you kill the person that says, Lazarus, come forth? How do you kill the person that says, peace, be still in the water and the winds, obey your voice? I think you could rightfully come to the conclusion that you can't kill this man because he's not a man, he's God. And so, He he turns him in to the authorities who want him. I think he thinks he's finally going to reveal himself now to these people, that he's the son of God. He's going to take his position as the king of Israel. He's going to reign on the throne in Jerusalem. He's going to wipe out the Roman government. But that wasn't God's plan. He had to die first and pay for our sins, and there's a gap of 2,000 years he didn't know about. He presumed on God. And so once he realized, because it says in the Bible, once he realized that he was betrayed, that Jesus was condemned to die, I betrayed the Son of God. Remorse began to set in. He felt bad about it. Tried to give the money back. Threw it into the temple and went out and hanged himself. And when you obey the devil, and when you obey the temptation he runs by you, after that old thing is done and judgment time comes, the devil's gonna say, What's that to us? See you to that. He's gonna forsake you. My mom and dad, and I said this over and over when I would get a spanking, and I did get a lot of spankings, when I get a spanking on that green hassock, hassock. Whatever that means. Hasidic. Place to put your feet. I lay over that thing. My my dad would say, my, my dad would say sometimes, my mom would say sometimes, you know, the devil's laughing at you right now. Ooh. That made me mad. I was getting ready to get canned, brother. I didn't have to go out in the sun. And I mean, they'd light me up. And I'd be like, man, the devil. She said, the devil's sitting over here right now going, ha 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 ha. What is that to us? Go see that too. Go see. You see that too. Go see that. Make, make it, yeah, whatever I want. You see to that. That's what I want to say. And, and so he left. I think he did there with, with Judas. He didn't help Judas. The devil's not going to comfort you. The demons and, and the, and the tempta- tempters, when they get you to do something, they're not going to comfort you. They never were your friends. They're your enemies. And enemies of all righteousness. They're going to laugh at you, mock you when you receive your judgment like they did Judas. I think the most tragic part of all Judas' life is the way he ended. The devil will use all the good he can out of you and then he'll throw you away. I had a real, a few years ago we had some real pretty girls I know this is really gonna, this is really gonna go across well today. But a few years ago, we had some really, pr- really pretty girls in the school, and you're thinking, does that mean we don't have any now? But you're thinking too far past me. I just knew there was two girls that were real head-turning, pretty girls. This was years ago, and you don't know who they are. But I brought him into my office and I said, I'm going to be your dad right for a moment. And I want to explain to you a little about men. And I didn't do the facts of life, but I just told them that men are going to try to use you, misuse you. And once they use all the good out of you, you turn about 40 and you don't look like they like to see anymore. They're going to go for some 30-year-old or some 20-year-old and leave you alone or divorce you at 50s, and oftentimes that happens. This is a scenario at least. They'll use all the good out of you, and then they'll throw you away. I got that on the authority of the Bible because that's the methodology of the evil one he'll convince you to do his will and to obey him and to go his way. And he'll say the lights and the glitz and the fun and the thrills are woo! But when it all wears off and it's all over and it's judgment time, he'll throw you away and go to the next one. Next! The devil will tempt you to waste your life on something unreal and cheap I told those girls that, "Don't you be a sucker for?" Her. I was going to uh, eat one day, seven, eight years later, and bumped into one of the girls. and she looked rough, because sin will suck the life out of you, and it'll take your beauty. And it had been—it was already taken hers. And men call it looking hard. They—they'll refer to those women as case hardened or hard. She's a hard-looking woman, you know. And that just is its just hard to describe what I'm saying, but all the men in here understand perfectly what I'm talking about. And I look—I said, "What's been going on?" Oh, she says, "The boyfriend I was living with—he dumped me last week." Of course, he did. Do you think he ever loved you? He just wanted to use the good out of you. When are you going to get the devil's a liar? He'll laugh at you. Ha, ha, ha. Where are your drinking buddies when you're drowning in your own blood behind a steering wheel because you were driving a DUI? Where are your lovers when when your children are crying themselves to sleep at night, wishing they had their one, both of their parents at the house? Where are your smoking buddies when you're sucking through an air tube in the hospital, having your larynx taken out? Where are your party buddies when you're when you're when you're full of wrinkles, fat, ugly? Got AIDS and losing all your teeth. Is that enough? Got acne. Rosacea when you're old. Where are they? You know they're not there for you, don't you? And where will they be? When you stand before Jesus Christ and He says, I never knew you. Where will they be? Preacher, I was a member of a Baptist church. I tied. I did this. I did. I Jesus, Read it. Matthew 7, 23. I never knew you. You knew me. You were religious, like Judas, you had all the markings of a a Christian, but in your heart, you were far from him. In your heart, it was a system. But being a born-again Christian is personal. It's it's family. It's one-to-one. It's alive. It breathes. And if I may say this, it dominates. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Thank you for praying for my wife and I, by the way. You just about lost your pastor and his wife this week. Had a near-death experience. Wife and I go going down Leco Road, big long ditch on each side, and three dump trucks coming towards us. We're going fifty; they're going fifty. And the middle dump truck just came straight at us, real close to us. I had nowhere to go. I just braced for the impact. Tried to go over a little bit, but braced for the impact. Head-on, hundred mile an hour total combined collision. And guess who would have won? And just at the last possible second. Something either woke the guy up or he quit texting or whatever, and he jerked that big old dump truck. And we just, you know, we just barely missed each other. And my wife said, even behind us, he was still halfway in our lane after we went by. I told my wife, We got saved one more time. It's a good feeling that God actually still wants me here. And it's, whether you do or not. My wife, all she did was scream, man. I mean, she took a breath and screamed. It was just a reaction, you know, nothing else. I looked at her and I said, You're gonna be okay? So I'm sweet. And I'm gonna end with this. Judas repented. He repented. Saul repented. Esau repented. But it was too late. It was too late. Summer is over, the harvest is ended. We're not saved. See, when the Holy Spirit comes by your house and tells you you need to be saved, you better do it. Because you don't get saved on your time clock or timetable, you get saved on God's timetable. And when Judas had the opportunity to be a believer and to be real and to be honest and give up all that kingdom stuff and give up all that other stuff and just be total, somehow or another, he did not. And then when it came time where he wanted to repent and he really believed that Jesus was the Christ, the Son, the living God, but he wanted to repent, it was too late. There's some sort of an invisible line that a person crosses over and when you cross over that line, there's no going home. I don't know who that where that line is with anyone. I don't even, I don't know. But I can tell you it's there. This old boy preached a sermon called The Three God's Three Deadlines. I don't know if you've ever heard that. God's Three Deadlines. You ought to listen to that sermon. That'll shake you. He gives three examples of people who pressed it. You know, I'll get saved later. Like the kid that comes and is under conviction of sin and a revival, and and the preacher talks to him and says, Why don't you get saved now? He said, Well, I'm not ready to get saved yet. I got some things I want to do. I got some life I want to live. I got some, you know, honky tonks I want to go to. I got some things. And I tell you what, I'll get saved later and then gets killed in a car accident afterwards. That kind of illustrations. All I can tell you this morning is you want to make sure you're not Judas. Or you're not part of who he is. You can't have ulterior motives with God. You got to have pure motives. You you don't do things your way. You don't have an agenda. For me to live as Christ to die as gain. Your agenda is whatever God is God's agenda is. That's your agenda. I'll do where you want, I'll be, do, and go where you want me to go. And Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I don't, I'm going to tell you. There's going to be a lot of surprised people on the other side that it's going to, it'll be a horror because the opportunity, imagine Judas today, he's conscious, he's conscious. Imagine him rolling in his mind all those opportunities he had. Come on, he walked with the son of the living God. You say, well, if, you know, I've had people tell me, I'd believe that Jesus would come to me and show himself to me. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. If you won't believe on what Moses wrote, you won't believe the one were risen from the dead. Isn't that what we isn't that what isn't that what Abraham told the rich man in hell? If you won't believe what Moses says, you won't believe if a man were even raised from the dead. You say, well, Bill, that's well, if you say it's wrong, you're saying the Bible's wrong. There aren't enough signs and wonders to make you believe. If you won't believe the plain, simple gospel, when the Holy Spirit comes by and explains it to you, there's nothing else that can make you you believe and be convincing. And there will be a time when the Holy Spirit won't come by anymore. He won't say He won't come by. And he didn't come by when Judas said, I repent. Judas' the Bible said, went out. And Jesus said, see, if I didn't know this, I couldn't say this. I couldn't say this if I didn't know it. But the Bible said, Jesus said, he went to his own place. Judas is the son of, of waste. The word perdition means to waste. Now get what I'm saying here. Son of perdition, son of waste. He wasted all that opportunity and went to his own place. Father, I pray this morning that you'd explain this better than I could. I am literally, literally this morning, I believe wrestling for the souls of men. There could be some people in the sound of my voice, whether here or over the over the web, that are that are they're trying to fake it till they make it. They may even not understand the fullness of it, but they're not real. They're not total. They're not all on. They're not all in. They're not all in the boat. May this morning they get in the boat. And with all their heart, the Bible says that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe with thine heart. With the whole heart, with the heart man believeth unto salvation that God is raising from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Do you believe today? Is it real with you today? Say, well, Brother Bill, my life sure enough makes me believe I'm not saved. Well, well why don't you start listening? Let me say this: If I was here this morning and I had some doubts about whether I was saved, I'd get right and come forward, or stay afterwards. But I wouldn't go home till I knew, based on the Word of God, and some folk prayed with me and asked me, and I want to be saved. I want to, I want to be part of the Kingdom of God. I want to be part of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be a Judas. Father, help us this morning. May these be decisions for